All right, man. Well, are you bringing us in or am I? It's the 50th episode. I'm so. bringing us in. I had originally planned to uh, like bring us in and going, hey, everybody, welcome to episode 50 of Back to the Fins. You know, I want to take a couple of minutes to say that this is a historic episode. And not, not, not only because it's the 50th episode, but also because this is a sequel of sorts to the first episode that I was on. And in that vein, I would like to say, fuck Scott Gardner. Oh! It's, it's because of the intro you gave me, remember? Do you I remember, remember that intro? I, I remember, yeah. I was okay, there for that so. last intro. I thought you were going to say something like, Scott Gardner Zillin can't make it today, so we replaced him with a push-button R2-D2. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys, you guys can have your have your moment. No, 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 no. <laughs> have your little laugh. <laughs> hey, R two, how you doing today? Oh, that's really exciting. How, how was she? Oh, not all that. Not all that. Oh God, not all that good at all. I'm really sorry about that. Well, you know. Well, yeah. When they only cost like three dollars down in Mexico. Yeah. Look, Mexico. No, I'm not being a racist. Stop saying that. Oh, yeah? So's your mother. That's incredible. It will not be seen tonight due to the following ABC's special presentation. But it will return next week at its regular time with more incredible stories. Hello and welcome to the 50th episode of Back to the Bins. I am Scott Gardner. And I am Michael Bailey. And for this 50th episode, we wanted to bring you something really big and really epic. And what could be bigger and more epic than a DC and Marvel crossover event? So tonight, we give you DC and Marvel present Marvel Treasury Edition number 28, Superman and Spider-Man. Featuring the murderous menace of Dr. Doom and the Parasite. And we have a special guest to the show. Speaking of parasites. <laughs> I was about to say speaking special, but that's okay. <laughs> Either one works with me. <laughs> Introduce yourself to the to the nice people out there. I am Chris Honeywell, the special parasite. <laughs> Boy, is he strange. <laughs> All right. As you can tell, we're just going to have a hell of a lot of fun in this episode. We are going to go through the uh, Marvel Treasury Edition number 28. We are going to uh, quickly go through it and uh, encapsulate it for you, and then we'll go back through it and review it and tear it apart and talk about it and all that fun stuff. But what we're going to do is, since this book is chapterless... We are going to rotate pages, just one single page. And we're going to do this. I I imagine we're going to do this sort of like DC challenge style where we're going to try to bust each other up or leave each other in the lurch or whatever. And and just see how it flows, if it makes any damn sense by the end of it. And uh, and maybe even throw in some curveballs here and there. So 
you will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Beep! If I'm not mistaken, I believe you are first, Mr. Bailey. Yes, I am, and on the and I actually have a copy of this one. I had a copy of uh, this is the first crossover, big treasury size crossover that I ever bought from DC uh, and Marvel. And on the inside cover is a quick uh, origin recap for both Spider-Man and Superman. Interestingly enough, Spider-Man is listed as created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. I had the same note. <laughs> and it, and it, it's kind of it's kind of a rare thing to see in the yes. actual comics. So that that was kind of cool. And they're you know they're they're bare bones origins. There's nothing really earth shattering. They're not as cool as those one page splashes that I finally got to see from the Battle of the Century, the first Superman versus the Amazing Spider Man. But I just wanted to kind of mention them. The other thing I, I love about this is you know it's Marvel Comics and DC Comics presents Spider Man and Superman. So you can tell that this is the Marvel because even though the cover has Superman and Spider Man, the inside cover has the last laugh on that. Uh, title of the story is The Heroes and the Holocaust, script by Jim Shooter, and there is like a laundry list of creators on this. It's pencils by John Buscema, figure inks by Joe Sinat, uh, and background inks by Terry Austin, Klaus Jansen, Bob McLeod, Al Milgram, Steve Leahoya, Walt Simonson, Bob Layton, Joe Rubenstein, Bob Wyasek, B. Arthur, the Solid Gold Dancers, the 1972 <laughs> Miami Dolphins. I'm sorry, I really couldn't, I couldn't help that. I <laughs> Every time I start listing off like a bunch of names, I go into that 70s, you know, holiday special announcer voice. And it I was starting to like sound it. like the list of all the people my ex-girlfriend <laughs> slept with. Was she a convention whore? Um, <laughs> and special thanks to Marv Wolfman for plot suggestions. We open with Midnight in Manhattan, suspended on a single slender strand of impossibly strong webbing. A bizarre figure arcs gracefully through the chill, damp air. He is, of course, the amazing Spider-Man. And for him, this night is destined to be a fateful one. And boy, does Spider-Man seem rather happy that he's coming, uh, coming up on a bunch of people breaking the law. Spider-Man swings into the fray, making quick work of the bad guys, despite their having laser rifles with computer-assisted sights, and even manages to capture some action photographs with his handy-dandy Nikon camera. Beep! After tidying up the crooks and then flinging them into the sun, Spidey is observed remotely on closed-circuit TV by an unknown figure (laughs) with a silver gauntlet. Ding! That figure turns out to be Dr. Doom, and Doom gives a lot of his fucking flowery Doom speak. It's like Jim Shooter was paid by the consonant on this page or something, and he <laughs> and he speaks about how he called the 5 to scare Spider-Man away, and he, he seems to think that fate is against him, and that such an absurd incident might jeopardize his big fucking plan, which has been brewing in every major city in the world. <laughs> the cost has been high, but it's all brought up to the threshold of world domination with... Project Omega. Ding. Doom gets off the throne and spouts some orders to a lack <laughs> to, du- to double check. Oh my god, I'm cracking myself up. Just <laughs> oh, I'm killing myself. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't usually get murder in me here. It's fucking hilarious. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just picture him changing the gauntlet and not wiping his own ass. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a new gauntlet. <laughs> Would a zipper work with armor, uh, you think? <laughs> I think he just had some. I think he reconverted it into energy for his gauntlet. I think it just like <laughs> went to a little nuclear reactor. Uh, so he spouts some orders to uh, to his lackey to double check his personal tapes to ensure that every word of his what did you flower flowery fucking doom speech <laughs> has been recorded for posterity. Alone, doom wallows in self pity for his tormented existence and ruined face before smashing a mirror. Recovering, he checks checks up on the progress of Operation H. H is for the Hulk. (laughs) I want to say Preparation H. (laughs) So bad. (laughs) And after being told that the Hulk is nearly in position, assumes control personally. Beep! (laughs) Meanwhile, we see a normal day for our buddy Peter Parker. Getting up late, gulping down milk. Striking out with a girl and then flinging her into the sun. Worrying about his Aunt May and getting bitched at by J. Jonah Jameson. (laughs) Beep. Jameson is a big old dick to Peter, too. I mean, he he, he throws his photos in the air and basically balls him out and says that if he wants to stay employed and not be washed up, he better start snapping something newsworthy, like the fact that the Hulk has been sighted near Metropolis. Well, you don't have to tell Peter Parker something twice, you know, especially that whole don't let that robber go by because he might shoot your uncle thing. And he runs off with, you know, Jameson being more of a big old dick and saying that all young people today are are namby-pamby wimps and that life's too easy for them kids. And how everything was better when he was a kid and he had hula hoops and Dan Fogelberg records and all (laughs) kinds of awesome stuff. Meanwhile, in Metropolis... Lois and Clark are riding in a helicopter towards whether the Hulk has been a, has been spotted, and Lois is being a big old bitch to Clark about it. <laughs> Ding! Arriving minutes later, Clark and the others in the chopper are awestruck and horrified by the destruction and devastation, which resembles a combat zone awaiting them. Clark scopes out the situation with his supervision, but finds... That doesn't make any sense. Supervision. You wrote it. Yeah, I know, but it sounds like supervision. (laughs) Anyway, he checks out the situation with his super eyes and uh, finds no trace of the green Goliath and surmises that someone is guiding the creature. Beep! When the helicopter reaches the uh, roof of the Daily Planet, Jimmy Olsen runs out and drags Clark and Lois to an emergency meeting called by Morgan Edge. At the meeting, we have Edge, Lana Lang, and Steve Lombard who has a squirting water prank, which Clark ruins with his, um, you know, heat vision, and it backfires in a sort of obscene parody of a money shot from a porno movie. Beep! (laughs) That really sets this up great. Morgan Morgan Edge gets everyone to stop fucking around. (laughs) 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 And gives... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and gives out the Hulk coverage assignments. Clark is annoyed that he has to ride desk duty and proceeds to block out Edge completely by using his X-ray vision, but and spot and spotting the Hulk across town with the aid of the dumbest superpower 
Clark Kent has ever possessed super ventriloquism. He makes everyone think that someone in the hall is yelling about the Hulk being right outside the building. Run! The Hulk's okay, right the- outside the building! <clears throat> Ding! Run. Clark Kent, stamping his pilgrim-shoed foot on the floor, causes a panic as the other Galaxy Com staffers believe the Hulk is attacking the building. You know, just to sidetrack for a minute, I would have loved to have seen Superman misjudge his planet-juggling strength and a- having actually, like, brought the building crumbling down around everybody with this little stunt, but... Whoops, you know, meanwhile, just... he causes millions of dollars of damage in the infrastructure <laughs> of the building. <laughs> So while everyone else runs for the stairs, Kent slips away from the crowd. Beep! A quick trip to the old storeroom, and Clark Kent emerges as... Superman! Beep! The Hulk is tearing some shit up across town until Superman arrives and tells him, Hey, knock it off! He tries to calm the J-Giant down, and, and the Hulk just acts like a freaking five-year-old. Shut up! No one tells the Hulk anything! Beep. Superman tries to reason with the rape... Yeah. With the <laughs> rape the yeah. Hulk. <laughs> like, Superman... Tr- <laughs> I'm sorry. That would be the greatest title ever. The Raping Rampage The Raping Hulk. Yeah, there you go. Ah, I can't read tonight. <clears throat> Superman tries to reason with the rampaging monster, but that just pisses the Hulk off even more because the Man of Steel is just, quote, more noise as he heaves a giant spool of wire at the Kryptonian. Superman smashes the spool, but the distraction allows the Hulk to nab him with a flying tackle and the two Titans blow into and through a building. Beep! Peter Parker arrives at the scene on a bus... And uh, ducks into an alley to change into Spider-Man. Meanwhile, the Hulk brings a whole building down on Superman. But uh, he emerges and seemingly knocks the Hulk out by throwing him into another building across the street. Beep! Superman digs the Hulk out from the rubble and gets punched in the face for his troubles. Stupid Cape Man, as the Hulk has been calling him, is knocked across town. And yeah, he was pretty stupid to fall for that. Cape Man, rages the Hulk, is smashed, but there is still noise. And, sensing the source of his torment on the ground right in front of him, pounds furiously, rocking the entire city and shattering windows everywhere. Spider-Man, fearing the worst for his pal Superman, decides it's up to him to try to subdue the snarling creature, but with great trepidation and much pissing of tights. Hmm. Beep, I take Oh, beep, it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I Superman. thought that would be funnier, I guess. Oh, uh, okay. Whatever, man. I don't know when my cue is. Any- <clears throat> Let me get back into character. Superman flies back, achy, annoyed, and pissed off, although annoyed and pissed off are pretty much the same thing, and sort of brushes <laughs> Spider-Man aside. Uh, he lets the Hulk just beat on him for a while, hoping that that will just sort of tire him out, sort of like... Uh, brand new puppy or something. Beep. 
Superman takes more of the Hulk's abuse before spotting the microscopic drone, which is emitting an ultrasonic screech from Saved by the Bell that is driving the Hulk wild. Uh. He nabs the drone and tries to calm the Hulk down again, but the Hulk won't have any of that shit. Cape Man talks stupid. Cape Man is stupid. Hulk should smash away. Should smash anyway. And at that point, Superman should pretty much go, you know, you're the one who is incapable of using personal pronouns. Who's the <laughs> you, stupid sir. one now? <laughs> Beep. But the Hulk is tired. Calmed oh. by the Man of Steel, the Jade Giant finally relaxes, and a startling metamorphosis occurs in which the raging spirit recedes, and at last, the tortured soul, Bruce Banner, stands revealed. Spider-Man... Feeling like a total fifth wheel, splits the scene only to reappear moments later as Peter Parker, marveling at how the police totally cooperate with Superman, and the crowd looks at him as if he were Gandhi, which is a reference, by the way, that 12 or 13 year old me completely didn't fucking understand. I didn't know who Gandhi was, and I still think it's really clunky today. <laughs> <laughs> but that aside, with a way I just, the... want, I just want to read that like that. Just hang on. Geez, the police are cooperating with soups, and the crowd is looking at him as if he was Gandhi. Thank you for was, indulging me in that. I didn't. I, w- wasn't he? Wasn't he a Tolkien character? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> as if he was Gandalf. <laughs> with a wave Gandhi of, the Gray, <laughs> <laughs> the bald. An eye for an eye makes the whole world go blind, but it's a giant fucking eye over a volcano. <laughs> There you go. Sorry. Couldn't resist. With a wave and a smile, Superman takes to the sky. Beep. We see the parasite crawling through a crack in the ground. Half starved, he's escaped from the cell that he was being temporarily kept in by Superman. You see, it all had been a conspiracy by Doom all along, and he knew he could get the Hulk to beat one part of the ground and split open the parasite's cage. Freeing him and crushing his robot servant and jailer. Beep. Parasite crawls to the surface and saps a bit of Peter Parker's energies, leaving Peter kind of woozy. So Jimmy Olsen gives him a hand, buys some dinner, and then starts coming on to him. That's, uh, that was that was the gayest page of all. <laughs> it was all there. <laughs> Arriving at the offices of GalaxyCom, Jimmy introduces Peter to their resident douchebag, Steve Lombard, who Parker <laughs> takes an immediate disliking to. Good man. And they proceed to the film editing room where Pete recognizes Lois Lane in a nice and about the only callback to Superman versus the Amazing Spider-Man that we get. And also meets smoking hot redhead Lana Lang, who he's immediately taken with. Soon, in Perry White's office, White offers Peter $500 for his photos, three times what JJJ would pay, according to math whiz Peter Parker. And as Jimmy takes him to the payroll department, White thinks to himself that Parker sort of reminds him of Clark Kent. And I was thinking, yeah, you know, me too, in a, like, not-at-all kind of way. (laughs) Beep! After getting a smell of the sweet, sweet money and the sweet, sweet pussy to be had at the Daily Planet, Peter mulls over moving to Metropolis as any man would. 
While meanwhile, Clark Kent decides he's going to take a leave of absence to do some deep undercover work. And the next thing we know, Superman is flying over New York City. New York City? Get the rope. (laughs) (laughs) Superman puts two and two together and heads to the Latvian Embassy. Where he, is the, where he is allowed in and treated rather well. Superman demands answers from Dr. Doom, and Doom pretty much says, yeah, duh, I'm fucking responsible. What are you going to do about it, douchebag? And then gives more Doom speak before saying that philosophically, they are much alike. <laughs> Beep. So Doom tries the old, hey man, we're practically brothers, you know? We're the same line of bullshit, but Superman ain't buying. In fact, he compares Doom to Obama, or I mean Hitler, Hitler, I'm sorry, Hitler. <clears throat> to which Doom laughs, saying, that amateur? Then sneakily presses a button, activating a hidden panel, which blasts the man of tomorrow with, say it with me now, children, kryptonite. Tonight. This particular chunk, according to Doom, was originally a Kryptonian farm implement. Yeah. A hoe! And, <laughs> and while it he goes... a hoe! <laughs> While he goes on and on with such fascinating and insightful dialogue, Superman makes himself all snuggy in a protective blanket he fashions by ripping up Doom's lead-lined floor. Beep! After uh, Superman does his Dick Van Dyke stop, drop, and roll, Dick, roll, he's covered with a molten layer of lead, which (laughs) allows him to grab the kryptonite and, of course, toss it into the sun. This actually happens. But he cannot nab Doom because he's in the embassy and that is hallowed ground. You can't fuck with Latvarians in the Latvarian embassy. Even You can threaten them with a, fi- a closed fist and scowl at them, but there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. Beep. Doom dismisses Superman, who leaves, and then Parasite comes out, bitching and whining about not being able to feed on Superman. Doom mocks the villain and says that in mere days, victory will be inevitable. Meanwhile, Clark goes to see J. Jonah Jameson, and after being initially sent away by Gloria... What is her last name? Estefan. (laughs) Gloria Grant? (laughs) Gloria Estefan. After being told that, come on, cheeky baby, now do the conga. Um, No, that doesn't happen at all. Uh, After initially being... uh, Dismissed by Gloria, J. Jonah Jameson spots him and then starts glad-handing Clark Kent like there's no tomorrow. Hand jobs all around. (laughs) Beep. So leaving Jameson's office, Clark uh, introduces himself to Robbie Robertson and then all of a sudden makes excuses that he's got an important phone call he has to make because he's heard some strange noise. He runs out of the building Changes into Superman, and we see him going to save a falling jumbo jet. Beep. And because Chris is missing the next page out of his book, I'm going to go ahead and do that one too. So Superman saves the plane a lot less dramatically than in Superman Returns, I might add. Uh, But I got the same laugh out of both sequences when Superman flies away because he left a downed airliner on the ball field in the movie, and here he leaves the airplane on the roof of the Pan Am building. That's going to be a major pain in the nuts to get down, I would think. Or actually, maybe not. You know, when the roof gives in, maybe it'll just crash all the way through all the floors to the bottom. I don't know. Anyway, 
While Jameson pounds furiously on the door to what I presume is Kent's office, Superman is flying about the city, pondering Doom's words and doing his best to prove the monarch wrong by doing the right thing, which includes stopping some thugs. Beep. (laughs) Jameson slams on the door. Ah, fuck. Jameson slams on the door, demanding to be let in, and finally Clark Kent opens the door, straightening his tie, and at no point does Jameson go, what the hell were you doing in there that required you to put your clothes back on? So he he tells JJJ that he was on the phone with a person tipping him off about Superman grabbing the Krispy Gang, or the Krispy Kreme Gang. Mm, (laughs) Krispy Kreme Donuts. And Jameson shuts up in a hurry, thinking about the mouth-watering hot light. Gloria compliments Clark on how handily he handled Jonah. And after Clark re-enters his office, she starts thinking about the fact that she'd like to be able to find out if she's tall enough to ride the Clark Kent ride before (laughs) discovering that his office is empty. Meanwhile, Superman spots a train that is about to hit a bus. Ding! So the Man of Steel alights in front of the train and uses his super strength and uh, stops the train, which... I still don't understand why he didn't just move the bus, but supposedly, according to him, you know, it would be too jarring to the children inside the bus. Whereas seeing a fucking train bearing down on them, I guess, isn't jarring to the kids on the bus. I don't know. But anyway, after telling the driver to be more careful in the future. Thanks, Superman. Thanks, Superman. (laughs) It flies off. And we get a scene between... uh, Robbie Robertson and J. Jonah Jameson, where Jonah is pining for the old days when he could uh, run down and, and libel and, uh, and everything, the uh, superheroes in his paper. Whereas now, because Superman is the resident hero of New York for a while, he's got to basically kiss Superman's ass and it just kind of rubs him raw. So, beep. So, Superman decides to take himself a little European vacation and, and, uh, snoop around latveria a little bit so he's uh boogieing over a nice little quiet villa when uh meanwhile in a dark castle some of uh doom's thugs are well i wouldn't call them thugs they're more goons actually are spraying him with some sort of invisible particle beam that he won't even notice but as he's flying around he notices a construction site very similar to a construction site he's seen before which brings him back to New York City where he just pops in on the old police precinct out of nowhere and uh, starts asking some questions about a certain construction site near a robbery that we saw earlier on in the comic book. Beep. Superman makes a drawing via his x-ray vision and then gives the, the desk sergeant an extra set of schematics and then gives them a tip about keeping them from blowing up real good of the confiscated weapons that they had taken earlier. Meanwhile, Parasite wants to kidnap Clark Kent to draw Superman out, and then Doom says, Dumbass, that's just what Superman is counting on, and counsels patience. He then shows the Parasite that he has the Hulk in a stasis tube, and explains how he managed to pull off such a feat, with more flowery freaking Doom speak. God, I, you know, Dr. Doom is supposed to be the most awesome villain ever. A lot of people put him at the top of their, um, top of their like top 10 lists of villain of supervillains i always put him at least in the middle you know like four or five because he just won't shut the fuck up (laughs) oh oh yeah beep sorry 
So the parasite's getting a little frustrated with Dr. Doom, so he decides he's going to do a little sucky-sucky on him. But what he doesn't realize is Dr. Doom has insulated his his armor and is immune to parasiteness and pretty much, you know, takes him down a peg or two. But, you know, of course, the parasite deep inside will make Doom pay one day. So meanwhile... Peter decides he's going to ask uh, Lana Lang out, which uh, she pretty neatly brushes him off as just like, go away, little boy, and closes an elevator door on him, which, of course, very much amuses douchebag Lombard. But, you know, being the nice guy that he is, he gives Peter a little pat on the back, which gives his spider sense a little tingle, which it should because, of course, he's got a a kick-me sign that says, I struck out with Lana Lang on his back now. Oldest trick in the book oldest trick in the book but that's what the douchebags always fucking go for <laughs> god damn it I'll kill them all one day beep <laughs> heartbroken dejected and totally unaware of the nasty trick Lombard has played on him Peter wanders off to an out of the way storeroom where as he changes clothes he discovers the sign as Spider-Man, he decides to get back at the jock asshole, and lacking the strength to actually hurl Lombard into the sun, he contents himself with applying webbing to the jerk's chair, effectively sticking Lombard to the chair for the next hour or so. Spider-Man swings to his hotel and arrives just in time to hear the phone ringing, and he hopes the caller is gorgeous and female. Beep. Turns out the caller is neither as it is Aunt May, who is apparently (laughs) still not dead. So, Spider-Man ditches Aunt May, as the writer should have decades ago, and after after helping out some cops, he finds out that the Metropolis police are pretty much as fucking clueless and stupid as the New York cops, as they blame him for knocking one of the cops off of the ledge and start shooting at him. Beep. So, uh, meanwhile, while the cops are distracted shooting at the costumed freak, the crook runs away thinking (laughs) this is his lucky break. But ironically, there's a police helicopter waiting there to snare him in a web-like net and, uh, you know, and then immediately put an APB out on Spider-Man. So, of course, you know, he swings away whining about how nobody likes him and how he's such a klutz lately and what's wrong with him and what are these funny hairs that are growing all over me and what's happening to my voice and why aren't girls as yucky as they used to be? Beep. Swinging around and talking to himself, the wall crawler finally realizes that his funk all started back at the construction site in New York at the beginning of this story. As he thinks this, he gets that feeling again from his spider sense, and wow, what great luck! He just so happens to be swinging over a very similar construction site. Investigating, he finds a steel plate in the ground rather than his head, uh, which he pries up with his spider's strength and drops down into a hole to investigate. There he finds a vast underground complex and speculates that maybe this is where they're filming the next Star Wars movie. And, uh, with the way his spider sense is buzzing, he prepares for a confrontation with Darth Vader. Oh, beep. Darth Vader shows up and says, won't you join us for dinner? And uh, that doesn't happen. But anyways. <laughs> that would be awesome, though. That would be, <laughs> would be awesome. Wait, let, let, me, let, me, let me do that one more time. 
It'll happen one day. Spider-Man is immediately sold out by Lando Calrissian and realizes that he is going to be captured on Bespin and that poor Superman is going to be encased in carbonite and sold to Boba Fett. Oh, that's, that's not what happens at all. That would rule, too. That would rule. Uh, Spider-Man gets further in, in, into the installation and finds Wonder Woman. You're wonderful. Kicking some serious <laughs> Doom lackey ass, which pisses off Doom something fierce, and he gets even more enraged when he sees Spider-Man. Beep. At, at the same time, Wonder Woman has noticed Spider-Man and said, Spider-Man! <laughs> and, uh, of course, Spider-Man, you know, being the smooth operator that he is says that's me that's me and uh so doom (laughs) is pissed off about this whole chain of events he doesn't like these two costume freaks running around in his goddamn installation so he uses the oldest trick in the book and goes on to the old uh voiceover and yells Spider-Man, attack Wonder Woman. She must die. Kill her now, my flunky. And Wonder Woman, being the like incredibly intelligent, powerful woman, immediately falls for that oldest trick and starts flinging heavy machinery <laughs> at Spider-Man and trying to sling him up with his lasso, which he very foolishly evades because, just as an aside, folks, I would get in that lasso. Mm-hmm. And when Wonder Woman got close... I would tell her the goddamn truth, and that's the truth. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> Spider-Man pulls a fast one and douses the lights. Unha- unhampered by the darkness, he tells the sightless Amazon that if he were really a bad guy, he'd be beating the shit out of her right about now. Convinced for now, Wonder Woman informs him that it's his own fault that people don't dig him because he's creepy. While they talk, Doom's infra-goggles-wearing minions get the drop on the pair. Spider-Man, sensing danger, tries to shout a warning, but Wonder Woman is shot. Beep. Now, you can make fun of the dialogue in this issue all you want, but this one's actually kind of funny, because one of the minions goes, Squad A, secure the woman. Squad B, get, and he gets kicked in the face. And Spider-Man <laughs> goes, Squad B, break for milk and cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought that was funny. It is Anyways, funny. Wonder Woman gets knocked out, and the Doom lackeys drag her off, taking off her clothes, getting a couple camera pics mm-hmm. uh, with their webcams, immediately posting it to Facebook. The, fa- the Facebook pictures are immediately pulled, but a lot of people downloaded them already, and they start circulating the web. And it turns out that underneath that costume, uh, especially in her uh, nether regions, it's kind of like a topiary garden down there. (laughs) Because she's an Amazon and really doesn't shave. But anyways, after all that happens, they load her onto a train and (laughs) Spider-Man follows. You've put a lot of thought into this, Michael. (laughs) Actually, in all honesty, that was all off the cuff. So there we go. (laughs) Meanwhile, after checking if the cuffs match the collar, they uh, pull in into the into Doom's secret laboratory, and the parasite starts developing a powerful hunger for Wonder Woman and demands that that Doom's lackeys hand her over. And he cuffs uh, just to show that he means business. He sort of cuffs one on the side of the head, sucking all his life energy in, and then. Um, 
of course, Doom shows up, you know, hold, what madness is this? You desire this woman, Parasite? And, uh, you know, of course, the Parasite says, of course, I desire this woman. And, uh, you know, I'm weak. Look at, look at this hideous thing that I am, which gives him a convenient opportunity to rehash his his um, origin story, which involves some sort of radioactive isotope making him blind and giving him radar sense. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently touched by Parasite's tale of woe, Doom decides oh. to let his partner in on the whole scheme and displays a giant hologram to begin to explain his evil plan. Having set up Omega installations throughout the world, Doom will shortly activate the stations, causing them to emit a particular radiation which will permeate the Earth's crust and mantle. Beep! So Doom's big plan turns out to be to turn every molecule of fossil fuel to sand. That's his plan. Turn everything to sand and then step in with a replacement power source his fusion reactor. Not realizing that the armies of the world would probably unite against him after he steps forward and goes, hey everybody, I got everything solved, look. Not thinking, hey, this is Dr. fucking Doom. He's he's probably behind all this. But no, he's got diplomatic immunity, which makes it it okay for him to do anything. At what point did the United States not say you know what? We're cutting off diplomatic ties with Latveria. Get that fucker and put him in the cell. <laughs> no, that never happens. Does Waterboard it. him. 